podcast something you got to deal with uh welcome back to the show um this is a new show a new thing that i'm doing um with some interviews during the pandemic and uh the person i'm interviewing is in another state so this makes it even better um so guest please introduce yourself who are you hi i am chef rashida tom and i am in stafford virginia so i'm a personal chef in the dmv area Shout out to the DMV. Now, <laughs> shout out to the DMV. Now, I think I interviewed, it was either after I interviewed Justin Brooks or Josias. Um, and I got your support <laughs> uh, because <laughs> both of these guys know a lot of people. They're pretty popular uh, over here in this region. Um, yep. So, you know, I got the follow. I'm like, oh man, one of Justin or Josias's friends followed me follow back more support and uh and then you happen to be a chef at that and then my <laughs> brain's moving one day and i'm like and i saw your story you know i'm seeing your story uh with all sorts of good looking food thank you like, thank you <laughs> and, and somebody i'm close to one of my friends uh he loves to cook and he talks about mm. how cooking is uh he likes to create it's something creative for him so I'm like, you know what? Cooking is an art, culinary arts. Um, maybe, you know, if she's agreeable to it, maybe, you know, I can get an interview or something. So um, this is how that came about. And uh, so thank you for coming on, agreeing to be on. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely a pleasure. I was excited. I was like, oh, this is the first. So <laughs> Nervous, but excited. Yeah. yeah. And I have to shout out my wife. My wife is in the building um, because uh, she... My wife loves to support me. That's my wife, Kayla, in the background. She loves to support my creative outlet, so thank you. So uh, they got together, and for when the, the cover art for this episode comes out, Kayla did it, not me. Uh, for anybody so excited. Watching, for anybody watching, if you ever see a cover for the podcast that looks good, she did it, not me. <laughs> so I, I got to give props where props are due. Um, so Chef Rashida, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit. Um, first of all, you said you're from Stafford, Virginia. Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, tell me about Stafford, Virginia, DMV. Uh, what's, what's life like over there? Well, Stafford in and of itself is real small. It's one of those towns. It's what we call a commuter town. Um, so most of the people that live here, they have a military person in their household. Um, like in my case, my dad works for the government. So most people commute up to DC, which makes this area awesome because you have metropolitan people, but small town living. So it's kind of a perfect blend of the two. Um, and we're also right between two big cities. So I'm between DC and Richmond equidistantly. Gotcha. So that's really cool to have two big hubs relatively close. Okay, that's what's up. And since we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, how are you staying safe? I am almost completely 100% at home nowadays. So due to the nature of my work, um, the fact that I'm entirely in somebody's house, a lot of my work is personal chefing. So I'm doing in-home meal prep, private event catering, stuff like that more so, um, and private cooking classes. So that all involves gotcha. just people gathering inside of a home. Um, so for the most part, as of right now, I'm not doing any hands-on work. So I've been able to stay home, thankfully. And I'm actually working on trying to see what part of my business I can make virtual. So that's kind of where we're at now. Oh, okay. Interesting. Oh, good stuff. Um, so <laughs> let's just, I want to, before we get into the real, the, the real meat of what we're going to talk about, uh, this is about you, and for anyone who may be uh, watching this who just wants to get to know Chef Rashida a little more, um, tell us about your uh, your background, your childhood, how you were brought up, uh, things of that nature, if you can uh, expand on that. Yeah, um, so I am half 
Tobagan, Tabagonian, half Tabagonian and half American. So my mom was from New Orleans and my dad was born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago. So as you can imagine, both uh, sides of my family are very food and music centric. <laughs> so I grew up in the kitchen with my mom making gumbo, jambalaya, um, dancing around to Motown um, on Saturdays to clean the house. Um, and then relatively or frequently making trips up to New York to visit my dad's side of the family. Um, Cause when they immigrated to the States, everyone pretty much stayed in New York. Um, so most of my family up there is in Brooklyn. So being with my grandma and my grandpa, grandma most so in the kitchen and then um, just watching Westerns reruns. Um, Cause okay. that's what they love. <laughs> so I have a lot of random uh, Westerns reruns, <laughs> just information in my head gotcha. from that. Um, but yeah, we moved a ton because um, my dad was active duty um, Air Force. So um, I was born in Nebraska, randomly. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, middle of nowhere. There's cornfields and Air Force bases there. So I say we were there for the Air Force bases. Um, so then from there, we moved to Rhode Island, then to Maryland, to Arizona, and then to Virginia. So and then my, so my family's been in Virginia ever since. Um, and then my mom actually got the truth in Maryland. So okay. then for the rest of our move, yep, we were born and raised in the truth. So it was pretty cool. Um, and now um, I have, let's see, I have two sisters, Camille and Niara. Camille's here with me. Niara is overseas in Australia. And then okay. the rest of us are here at home. Okay. Wow. So you've been around. So at what age did you get to Maryland? Um, let's see. I was three three, three and a half when we moved to Maryland. So like from three to six, I think we lived in Maryland. Okay. And so when did you get to Virginia? How did you end up there? <laughs> right. So <laughs> we were, when my dad was stationed from Maryland all the way to Arizona and we were there for about five, five years, I think, yeah, 2001 to 2000, uh, till I finished elementary school. And then, so in 2005, we moved to Virginia. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so they had us ping pong. <laughs> gotcha. And you've been there ever since? Mm-hmm. So, okay. well, yes. And my family's lived here. I mean, I lived uh, in New York for a couple years, in Australia okay. for a year, and then I came back. So. Okay. All right, man. You, yeah, you, you really have been around. That's, that's not on the website. That's not on the bio. You, 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 can only get that, you can only get that here. You can only get that on the Cool Hand podcast. Okay. So uh, a lot of dancing, a lot of cooking. Uh, yep. and so I would assume you got your, your cooking and that desire to cook from your upbringing. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so hundred percent, hundred percent from your upbringing. All right. From mom and grandma, aside mm -hmm. from cooking, that is your profession. That is what you do. That is what you're good at. Yep. What else did you want to do? If, if cooking wasn't in the picture, what else did you like to do, um, growing up or even what you wanted you imagine you would do when you got older? So I love, I love, 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 absolutely love to sing. So I was one of those kids that <laughs> from probably, I think eight or nine, I, I would watch, you know, like uh, the voice and whatever was on at the time, just singing shows. And I would sing my heart out. We used to do something as kids because um, there's three girls growing up. So, of course, the right, the perfect amount of people to be Destiny's Child. <laughs> so we would pretend. <laughs> and of course, I'd be Beyonce. I'm the oldest. <laughs> so I got to pick first. So <laughs> I was always Beyonce. <laughs> and so we would we would just you know, learn their songs and make up routines and put on performances for our parents and grandparents. Um, so I definitely was into performing arts and specifically music. I can't, can't play instruments to save my life. I've, I have a piano I'm trying to learn, but I just, for some, yeah, it's just not working. So <laughs> singing, um, that's something I always wanted to do. Um, and then I did actually, I did actually want to be a chef profession-wise for a while, um, but I also thought about journalism because um, oh, I love um, seeing things more. Of so travel journalism probably is what I would have thought about doing. And I've, I've started a little bit, you know, to keep, keep journals and, and logs and stuff. So who knows, maybe I'll start a blog. But yeah, those, probably those two things, blogging and, and singing. Yeah, it's fun. Blogging. I guess this is blogging kind of, but you know, it's, it's fun. I like, I like this type of stuff. Um, the journalism part, I, I don't like doing like, like for things like this, this is kind of a 
trivial sometimes. Some of the topics I talk about, I like to talk about music. Sometimes I don't want to do the research. I'm, I'm like, who cares? Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> it's nice to have that like journalistic mind, that mindset. But okay, so uh, let's get into the chef life, um, the, 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 the culinary arts field. Um, first of all, you were already influenced by your upbringing, by mom and grandma cooking all sorts of food. You know, let me ask this before I even, I just thought of something. What was, what was your favorite meal growing up that, you're, uh, that you were exposed to? Oof. Okay, can I pick one from each culture? Because oh, <laughs> they're so different. You can do a top five if you want to. Right, okay, so definitely, okay, from my dad's side, so from the Caribbean, definitely curry goat with roti is just... Roti? Yes, hands down. Like I could, I will. I don't care how full I am. I always have room for that. Like always. So yes, curry goat roti. Um, my grandma's rice and peas. It's it's so simple, but it's just the coconut milk with the pigeon peas. It's just I love it. It's perfect. So probably those two things on my dad's side, and then from my mom's side, I it's so simple, but I love collard greens, macaroni cheese, and fried catfish. Like that right. specifically on a plate, I could eat it and eat it and eat it. It's so good. <laughs> no, I never, I don't think I've had catfish since I was a child. Cause my mom, that was something my mom liked when she had money for it, she would buy it and, and shout out to my mom. Cause she's not selfish, but she would buy it for herself. <laughs> and, you, know, <laughs> and, and, you know, as kids, you know, you may not like fish as a child. So I remember she let me, you know, she let me have some, before, yeah. but I haven't had catfish in forever. And uh, one of the things, just a, a story for people who are watching, speaking of fish, um, I was on your Instagram story and you, you have this, what I thought was salmon. And, yep. we, and we eat a lot of salmon. My wife and I, she, she just cooked some salmon, but I usually made it. She made some fire salmon, but um, it, was, it was good. But um, usually I cook it. And when I saw it, I'm like, man, my, my, my salmon don't never look like that. And that's what I said. I sent you a message. I'm like, man, that, that salmon is fire. Like that looks crazy. You're like, oh yeah, thank you so much. And you so kindly corrected me. <laughs> like, on the, <laughs> you so kindly let me know that that was not salmon. Rather it was trout. And uh, they look so much alike. Like, I mean, even in the stores, like I bought some, I bought some salmon. I was in, I can't remember which way they did it, but I was buying one and wound up with the other because it was mislabeled. Gotcha. Like there was one or two wow. packs that are missed. That's how closely, like they're almost unidentified. I mean, taste wise, there's a slight difference, but appearance, almost none. Gotcha. Yeah. You know what? I bought some trout. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> never had trout. I was just telling Kayla, I'm like, I got this because I think it'll taste good. And I, I'm trying to have more fish in my diet. I already, we already eat tilapia and salmon, but I would just yeah. want a more, a bigger variety of fish. Um, so yeah, we'll see what, see what we do with it. It's in the freezer yeah. now, but anyway, yeah, that's just my quick experience with you and fish <laughs> put together. So, uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, you talked about your favorite meals and what do you love? What does Chef Rashida love about cooking so much? Um, I love, I always say my favorite style of cooking is soul food with a twist. So I do lean more toward, I guess, on a day-to-day -day cooking things that I grew up more so from the South, but there's always like a Caribbean twist or just a twist from like places I've been, um, different places in Europe or Asia and like kind of taking those flavors and kind of, you know, mixing them in where I can using ginger and scallions and things that normally wouldn't or stuff like that. So yeah, I love, um, I, I cook salmon a ton. I think I, I just made some yesterday that, that protein for myself. All. Yeah. I make a lot. Um, I'm, I love lamb. I feel like a lot of people don't cook it, you know, don't, don't mess with it a lot, but it's, it's real good. It's real good. I love that. Collard greens, like I mentioned, I'm always making collard greens. There's always some in my fridge at my house. So <laughs> I eat a lot of the same things I'll cook for other people. Now, yeah. do you have that in, in a garden? I, once again, I get my information from, from Instagram. I got to <laughs> right? do what I can. I got to do my research. And I just saw yep. as I'm like getting ready, I'm brushing my teeth and stuff. And like, you, I see a whole garden back there and you're excited to cook yeah. with it and all. It, so what's going on with the garden? 
Um, so we've been trying to get a garden going for years, but um, now that we have more time at home as a family, we've just been able to kind of come together and build the structure, get the, I don't even know how many bags of soil it took to fill that space we have, you know, dig up the grass, all of that. So we have a little bit of everything, almost every herb you could think of is going to be growing in that garden. Um, we have squashes, cucumbers, broccoli, um, peppers, tomatoes. Um, I think we have some lettuces. I have to look back at it because my mom just got some more seeds that she's been kind of hothousing before she puts them in the ground. So there's like another list of probably 10 other things that I don't know that are going into the garden. But we do have some like lettuces and greens in there too. You're going to be like having the most healthy meals. I did. Ever. Like no... <laughs> know all that you don't we don't know where our food's coming from there's this big thing that's going around on social media about the strawberries um people soaking their strawberries in um salt water and then that will like make all the little bugs come out what and, and I'm, I'm sure you probably can't prevent bugs from getting in your you know your produce and things like whatever yeah. you're making but it's just it just feels better knowing it's coming from your own hands and your own work so <laughs> yep that is exciting. Um, and you know what? There was a beat part to that question, too. So okay. you, love, you love cooking. <laughs> and then what makes you love cooking for others? Because you have to have some type of desire. You may mm -hmm. like cooking, but, you know, for other people, you may not. So what made you want to cook for others? So I actually, that, that is a story I have in my mind. It's back to when I was probably... I think six, because I would have been tall enough to see over the stove. Um, my mom used to make either waffles or pancakes every Saturday for us for breakfast. But this particular time, instead of just letting me, you know, flip one, she let me pretty much do the whole thing from start to finish. So she was there the whole time, of course, I was six. But let me mix, you know, pour, flip everything, and then serve my family. And having put all that effort into making the food and then watching my family eat it. All of us were talking and enjoying, but realizing that it was the food that brought everyone to the table and it became the centerpiece of good conversation, good association. And it was, it just really impressed in me. Like I, I want to bring people together like this. I'm, I love people in general. Um, I love hosting stuff. I have kickbacks at my house all the time. So I love bringing gotcha. people together, gotcha. but I'm at everything. I'm always cooking. So I think I learned the, the official word for it in culinary school, commensality. So the concept, um, Commensality. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to, I might misspell this, but I think it's C-O-M-M-E-N-S-A-L-I-T-Y. So it's like the concept that food brings people together. So that, that concept is, is really what fuels my love of cooking specifically for others. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So you, you like pleasing. Uh, that's the thing, like pleasing others in the form of food. Uh, I remember, yes. I remember uh, one sister um, from one of my old congregations before things got split up and jumped, you know, before yep. <laughs> um, my aunt had a little gathering at her, at her crib and this sister threw down on this salmon, man. Once again, we're talking about salmon again, <laughs> once again. <laughs> oh my goodness. She, threw, she put in some work on this salmon on the grill, on the grill. And it was so good. And she was just like, you know, that's that's one thing I love to do is to make people yep. happy um, by my cooking. And she was, you know, glad you liked it and things like that. So food absolutely does bring people together, man. Ain't that the truth? So we talked about your upbringing um, that influenced cooking, uh, but it actually becoming your career and you making something out of it. Can you talk about the steps that you took? Because you can cook at home. But getting a job, you just can't say, you know, I'm fire at the crib, you know, <laughs> can I come work? <laughs> you know? So tell me about your career and the steps you took to uh, get where you're at today. So I did go to culinary school for two years, right out of high school, um, which really helped. I always tell people that um, my love of cooking and my cooking instincts came from my family but my efficiency in the industry came from school. Um, so, you know, learning how to not take forever to peel garlic or onions or, you know, different things like that and, and learning how to manage, um, you know, five or six pots at once. So all those, those skills that, that helped me in events and things like that, I got at school. So I did go to school for two years. Um, and then after, 
after school, I kind of was trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do career-wise. So I did travel for a bit. That's where Australia came in, lived there for a year. And then when I got back, um, I had this kind of crossroads at the time. So I was pioneering and I was trying to figure out what to do, you know, career-wise. And I knew I didn't want to leave the industry, but the schedule at a restaurant is absolutely insane. You know, like it's nights and weekends and overtime and it's just, it's insane. And I started to lose a love for cooking at that point, you know, um, just because I was just overworked. And so I started out real small, um, came back home, kind of got my bearings, and I started to make a weekly plate for some of the local um, workers. So I started out, my mom worked in elementary school, so I would make um, a weekly plate available for her workmates. And then it kind of grew from just them to advertising a weekly plate. Then I built a website and a Facebook page. And then um, someone who had heard of that was like, well, hey, can you do events? And I'm like, well, I, I can do events. I know how, but I had never done it before. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do the event. <laughs> it was a graduation party. So then that kind of started to the build the buzz a little bit. Um, and it was really word of mouth. Um, a lot of, I mean, any, I think small business owner will tell you word of mouth is probably the most important thing um, to kind of building a business um, because people will talk about things they like. And if you do a good job and if you, you know, do your best and cater to the person, you know, especially no pun intended, then they'll, you know, pass the word on. Um, so then it kind of went from there to meal prep. And that's kind of where it took off um, instead of doing events because meal prep is more uh, weekly. So then I was able to advertise more so for um, busy professionals. And like I said, Stafford, everyone's commuting to D.C. to work. You know, you have. Um, one parent at home, maybe not, both parents working, just big, uh, busy schedules. So then that's when I was able to go into um, offering weekly meal prep. At first it was, uh, I would set a menu and people could order from it. But now um, what I'm doing is the menu is catered to the family. So I'm dealing a little bit more with dietary restrictions, a little bit more with specificities. So just a little bit more, um, I have, in that way I have slightly less clientele, but it's a more of a customizable uh, service at this point. Yeah. And then still small event catering. Yep. Yeah. I would imagine even though your clientele is reduced, would you say it reduced when you mm -hmm. uh, got more specific, but I think people would be willing to pay a little bit more money for that service. Exactly. Did yeah. Kind of balance out that way. Yeah. They, and it, it, it was a perfect transition. Um, from one, because I was a little nervous with each change. I was like, you know, I don't know what people want, this, that, and the third. But what I found helpful was kind of one research, but research in the sense of I would look up what people were looking up, you know, or look up uh, what was being searched or what people were posting on Facebook groups about, you know, does anyone know a? Does anyone know a? And I'm like, let me see how I can fit that need or how does that kind of work with what I can offer. And so that's where I found. Um, a lot of people in, in this area, because I was thinking I was going to have to be all the way up in D.C. for that. But okay. just here in the Stafford, Fredericksburg area, there's a lot um, of, a, of room for that more specified um, service. But it worked out because they got a lot more of my time. Um, it worked out to where financially I could afford to only have like a handful of clients yeah. because that was sufficient. Yeah. So just talking about your clientele real quick. Now, for mm -hmm. example, um, I have lupus. Okay. So, you know, now doctors, doctors, like my doctor isn't like, okay, stay away from this and that. But doing my mm -hmm. own research, when I first got diagnosed, it's like, okay, you may want to stay away from uh, things with gluten, try to go gluten free, things like that. So do you right. cater toward people like that who are like, you know what, uh, I'm gluten free. I have this autoimmune disease. I don't want my kids eating gluten. So do you do things like that? People with, uh, health issues and, and, and such. Yeah. So a majority of my clientele with dietary restrictions, it's because of some sort of like health restriction. So I have some that are just like, Oh, I want to get healthy. And, but generally that type of client isn't necessarily sticking to that diet as much as if they're specifically trying to influence their health. So like, you know, I've had clients where they have diabetes or they have celiac disease, which means like they definitely can't touch gluten at all or high blood pressure or different autoimmune diseases. So that's more so what I've been able to get into. And I'll always tell people that like, I am not a dietitian, <laughs> nor am I a doctor, but I will and can build menus based 
off of what you've gotten from your doctor or your dietitian. So yeah, I'll be provided with a list of definite no's and um, keep, you know, very little of this. And then I'll build based on that. Okay. Very nice. Very personalized. Very personalized. So um, before you were on your own and and doing your own, uh, having your own business, where were some of the places you've worked? If you want to, if you would like to. Yeah, no, that's all good. (laughs) Um, Things like that. So I worked, um, I only actually had a handful of industry jobs before I started working for myself. Um, So right out of college, I worked at Westchester Country Club in Rye, New York. Um, So I worked in the banquets kitchen there. Um, During school, we have to go away on an internship or externship really, I guess, because we're, you know, we're leaving. But I worked at um, a resort on St. Simons Island, Georgia. So that was really cool. And then when I lived in Australia, I worked at um the admiral which is it's kind of like um size wise kind of like an applebee's but imagine that one half is the dining room with a cute cafe and then the other half is like more sports bar so they've split it up instead of having it all together um so that's where i got a lot of my front of house service like people you know experience from that um and so then in 2015 moving back to the states I actually took a bunch of odd jobs outside of my field to support my business. So I didn't actually work in the field, in my field while I was building. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This stuff, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. And that's what I want to talk about. Um, Just you, you touched on it. Um, Actually, you you got into it a good bit, um, getting into business for yourself. Um, What were some of the obstacles and struggles that, you know, trial and error type things that you had to go through while figuring out uh, what am I going to do with this and that, if you can uh, get into that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so one of the biggest ones was realizing that just because I can cook does not necessarily mean I can run a business. Um, so being able to feed people did not always translate into everything involved on the business side. Um, so just kind of refreshing myself with costing. That was a huge thing. Realizing that, you know, I could not sell a product for $5 more than it cost me to, you know, buy it, the time, like, you know, putting all of that into together, that was a challenge. Um, something I had to just, to learn, didn't realize, didn't realize I had to learn it, but that was one of the challenges. Um, also, um, valuing or figuring out how to to put a value on just time spent. That's something I didn't really take into consideration um, because when you work for someone, you have an hourly rate. So you know, you're told how much your time is worth. But with a business, you know, you have maybe the time you're charging the client for, but then there's hours and hours and hours of research or, you know, um, proposals that, you know, don't get accepted or whatever. So kind of not knowing, I didn't realize going in how much other time it took. So then kind of balancing that and and realizing that I had to set some boundaries for myself, realizing, okay, I'm working now and now I'm not working. So, cause it can be very easy to always answer your email, always pick up your phone, always. And it's like, wait a minute, (laughs) the rest of life has to happen. So that was, that was definitely a challenge. And then, um, I think the last, the third one, um, was trying to make sure that I knew what I was presenting instead of trying to be what everyone that reached out to me wanted. Because, you know, sometimes, oh yeah, I can, I can try and do this or sure I can do that. But realizing that it wasn't advantageous to try and change up my business for each person, Mm -hmm. I just needed to offer what I offered and let the people who wanted that come. So that took that took some time to realize, but things were a whole lot easier once I realized that a whole lot better. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, of course I have, you know, I work in the medical field, you know, uh, my wife does things on the side and, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's good advice for even people who just not wanting to be a personal chef or something in that field, just working for yourself. Uh, yeah. That putting a value on what you do. Uh, putting a value on your time, money spent, research. That's things that people don't really think about. I don't even think about that because I have a day job. I, I go to work, you know, I clock in and I clock out, you know, I'm not doing right. anything yep. extra. So that is that is vital. 
I'm glad you shared that because I think that's just helpful in general for someone who's someone like me who said, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna start a business and, and wet behind the ears. And then I could imagine if you're always answering your phone, answering your email, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yep. And your family and your family, because they'll be like, All right, well, why are you still working? Why are you still get off your computer? Come, you know, and so thankfully, you know, my mom, well, all of my family was very good with reminding me like, hey, you know, you've, you've been at it for a while or like research designing, you know, designing my website that took hours and hours. So my, my old website, my new website, I had a lot of help with shout out to my friend, Deanna. She's amazing. Um, but before you. just doing all the legwork, I was like, ah, they're like Rashida come on, come eat, <laughs> come life, do life things. So yeah, balance is hard. Okay. Now where, all right, let me cross that off. You know, I'm still new to the interviewing gang. I'm still like, you know, crossing <laughs> stuff off as we talk about it. So uh, <laughs> now places that, now you talked about Australia, you country club in New York, uh, resort in Georgia, right? Yep. Okay. Memory is serving me right still. I still got it. All right. Um, so where else has uh, being in the culinary arts field, where has it taken you? Um, so I'm trying to think, because I've definitely had some trips that were way more food centric. Uh, I actually just got an opportunity last year to go back home, so to speak. So I went to Trinidad and Tobago um, for 10 days and I ate everything, <laughs> absolutely everything. <laughs> learned everything it was that trip was beautiful in the sense that I mean I grew up with certain spices and flavors but you know to see um you know the bush that Kalalu comes from you know to see my grandmother pick the dashim bush to see her you know we would be driving along the road and she'd be like oh wait stop and and pick different herbs and show us you know what they were and and just that foraging experience I think um that really helped to just remind me as you know a food service professional as a chef you know, that my food does grow. Uh, the, the majority of my food grows. And to kind of see it from start to finish, like that was definitely a beautiful thing to be able to see that and all the spice. I brought so many spices back home. My, <laughs> I had one suitcase dedicated to spices. Lots and lots of spices. Um, another trip that I really enjoyed food-wise was I had the opportunity to go to Spain, uh, Vigo, Spain. Um, and that trip, I was actually there um, to serve in an English congregation with a sister. Um, but one thing I got to do was again, eat everything and learn from a lot of the, the grandmothers in the congregation, learn okay. how to make tortilla, learn, um, the, the tradition of different types of tapas, and then just get exposed to, um, more, I'm trying to think of a way to describe like the cooking style experience, just very simple, but intricate. So the, the, the methods were intricate, but you know, sometimes you only had four ingredients. But it was just like, how can this, t <laughs> it's, it's, it's olive oil, you know, this, this certain type of peppers, I can't recall the name of, salt and pepper. And I'm like, how yeah. <laughs> is this what I'm eating right now? So that was a huge one. Um, I'm trying to think of anywhere else that, oh, and the Philippines. That was like my most, most recent trip, the Philippines. I went in February um, for two weeks. I had a friend that was moving there and I had the, the opportunity to accompany her um, just as moral support for her two weeks. Yeah. And Again, like the, we got to actually have a bit of a trade-off. So um, one of the families I stayed with, um, they they owned like a kind of a hotel. So they closed down the kitchen and me and one of the local sisters, like we both cooked food from where we were from. So I made curry chicken and stuff for them. And she made um, like a, a hot garlic fried chicken with a soup, a sinigang soup, which is like a, almost like a hot and sour, sweet and sour type soup. Ooh. And so we just got to just a smorgasbord. We both just went in and cooked and then traded. And it was, it was just absolutely amazing. Absolutely that's just cool. made me fall in love with food all over again. <laughs> oh man, that's cool. Yeah. Just from you talking, I can see that you have a deep appreciation for cooking. If it wasn't obvious already, but just the fact that you're able, you know, you went back home like you said, back home, so to speak, and you see the bushes. We don't think about that. I go to the store and I try to find, you know, a decent priced, uh, you know, uh, sea salt. I get my sea salt at Aldi, you know, yep. <laughs> um, things like that. But, you know, we forget that there is a process. Some of these things, you know, we buy it in a box or in a whatever shaker tube. I don't know. Um, and forget <laughs> that it's like real, real stuff. Yep. So it's like, 
it's like you went back to the motherland of food. Yes, that's a really good way to put it. Yep, I like it. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just start a sentence and I don't know when it's, just, you know, it just turns into something. So um, it, that's one of the times it made sense. Um, but okay, and you talked about what you offer. So um, what else do you offer? Because I went on your website, you know, and, and scoped it out to see uh, what services you offer. Uh, let's get a rundown for anyone who's unfamiliar. What, what does Chef Rashida offer? So I offer a personalized in-home meal prep. So that service, um, I sit down, I build a food profile for the family, taking into consideration dietary restrictions, um, health goals, and then I build a menu, shop for everything at their store of choice, bring it to their home, cook everything, package it um, on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. I also do small event catering, so um, bridal showers, bachelorette parties, even smaller things like anniversary dinners or engagements, things like that. Um, I do not do weddings unless they're small. Those are like an, an as-needed basis or case-by-case uh, -case basis. That's the word for it. Um, but in general, I don't, I don't do weddings. Um, and then I do cooking classes, so either as a learning experience or an event. So learning experience would be uh, probably less, a smaller class size where there's enough ingredients for everyone to get their hands in, everyone's helping um, and whatnot, or it's personal um, as well. And then event is more of just a demonstration. So I bring everything, kind of like you see on TV where they have the stuff they're prepping, but then some of it already done. So it's more so that, that style. So you can be nibbling on things as I'm showing or demonstrating. And with that, um, I've done like wine pairings, different courses. So those are the three main services I offer um, as of right now. Um, but I did mention some virtual things coming. So the virtual side would be um, figuring out a way to do virtual cooking classes Been doing some experimenting with that so far. And then also um, meal consultation. So I've had some people reach out um, to see if I could kind of walk them through different things um, or sit down with them and, and teach them how to write a shopping list or how to plan a menu for their family, stuff like that. So I guess it would still kind of be instruction, but more, less of a formal class and more just some one-on-one -on -one time with a chef. Okay. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know people didn't know how to, write. I don't know. Maybe I've been writing shopping lists <laughs> wrong. I didn't know there was, can, this is, what, what is that? Um, so if you, Generally speaking, like, because you, you and your wife cook. So when you're writing a shopping list, you know, you have a running list of these are the things we eat. These are the meals I have in mind to kind of prepare, et cetera. So you, based on what you know how to cook or know you want to eat, you know what to buy. But if you are the type that, you know, you know, frantically scrolls through Pinterest each day to try and figure out what to make, it can be overwhelming to go to a grocery store because, you know, especially if you're shopping at somewhere like um, a popular one around here is Wegmans. Wegmans has everything, but if you don't know what you want, it's too much. So um, what I can do is kind of uh, break it down. Because even when I shop for myself, I figure out, okay, I'm going to have these two green vegetables for the week, these two or three starches, and these proteins. And, and just breaking it down that way, um, going into what spices go best with what. Um, so more of so the person that's going to be in the kitchen doing it themselves, but just needs a little bit of help putting it together or adding some structure to it. So they're not overwhelmed by the options. I just absolutely learned something new today because, <laughs> because I'll tell you what, um, this is how I shop. I know what I like. I know there's like staples, like, um, chicken thighs, we eat chicken thighs. We'll buy the, um, you know, the, uh, chicken breast or chicken tenders, whatever, to make like Chinese food and stuff like that. We get like mm -hmm. the staples. And then like, you know, I walk, I walk past trout and I'll be like, you know what? That trout looks good on uh, Rashida's Instagram story. Give it a try. I walk past a big freezer at Aldi and they have tuna steaks. Eh, I'll give tuna steaks a try as long as it's in yep. my budget. And then everything else, when it comes to fruits and vegetables, whatever's on sale. Like we, we hit, we hit yep. all these different places, but like, that's actually an interesting thing that you were talking about spices and herbs and, and things like that, pairing it up with, you know, and some people, not everyone's like uh, me uh, who they want to try something new or, you know, a new recipe and things like that. That's right. That was good stuff. I, you know, we just got a glimpse of uh, what you have to offer and, and I'm, very pleased and satisfied with uh, the free game that I just got. So <laughs> thank you.
That was good. That was, I'm serious. That was good. <laughs> yeah, we, oh, we go everywhere. Yeah, that's what we go everywhere. My wife, when we go grocery <laughs> shopping, it's an event. We go everywhere. We go to every store in our area. Um, yep. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the way to do it. To be honest, that's how I grew up going grocery shopping. Like my mom would read the sales ads and we'd figure out, okay, this is the place we're getting chicken from. This is where fish is coming from. This is where, so yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like I, and when I shop for my family, I generally am going to more than one store. Um, but a lot of people are not, they're like, I want to go to one place <laughs> and I need mm -hmm. to get everything I need and that's it. So I'm like, okay, yeah. I can work with that. Yeah. That's understandable. Me, if I know it's cheaper at Aldi, I'm going to Aldi too. But <laughs> this, yep. this isn't about me. This is about Chef Rashida and what she has to offer. So uh, one of my last <laughs> questions, and uh, you, this is something else that you touched on, um, how things, how business is affected. I think you even talk, talked about this in the beginning uh, of mm -hmm. uh, this interview, how things have been affected by the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Yeah, so one of the biggest concerns um, going in was that as things started to shut down, you know, I had, I changed a lot of my procedures um, because the nature of my weekly meal prep, a lot of times um, I'm working while the rest of the family is away. So I have, you know, like my own key or my own like code for like a, like a servant's code or whatever it is to get into the house. So I don't necessarily have to interact with the people. Um, so I could still operate safely, but, um, because my clientele, a lot of them have different health problems. Um, like one of my major clients, you know, had um, just was immunocompromised. So even with me working safely, just having someone come into the house, it just wasn't going to work. And then that as well as supply of food, because as I'm sure you noticed kind of the first weeks going in, it was incredibly hard to find anything, you know, with um, regularity on the shelves, you know, <laughs> yep. and if you could, there were limits on it. So for me, if I'm buying enough food for a family of three for a week, two packs of chicken is not sufficient. You know, I need to be able right. to buy in bulk from stores and I'm not shopping at Costco for my, for my family because it doesn't have everything I need. So I'm at Wegmans, but you know, maybe Wegmans is one of the places that has everything, but there are also limits on everything. So not only was it, you know, the, just the people interaction, but the simple availability of resources, it just wasn't there to maintain, you know, my job. And then um, one of the unfortunate, well, all of the side effects are unfortunate, but one of the biggest things I kind of noticed right away was um, like pretty much all of my events for the springtime had to be canceled because, yeah. you know, most of them were, some of them were under 10, but a lot of them involved, you know, people coming in um, to Vir the Virginia area or whatnot, and people like, you know, we can't travel anymore, which makes sense. Um, so just trying to kind of work, you know, just work with, with those clients and be like, okay, if, you know, if there's anything I can still help with, if you want me to put something together, menu-wise to help you execute it yourself, you know, just let me know what I can help with. Um, so those were some of the, the biggest things. That and because I am 100% self-employed, unemployment isn't, wasn't made available okay. to someone who was self-employed. So that was also something kind of hard because it does, you know, there's a, a monthly upkeep for a business, you know, different advertising, paying for my website, uh, different things, you know, that cost something. So kind of a little bit of concerns about, okay, like if, if this is extended, you know, what's gonna, what's gonna happen? Um, um, but some of my clients have been just fantastic and just have donated <laughs> to keep me in business, That's nice. That's um, and which has been amazing. And now, um, one of the things, one of the most recent updates, I think is that they made, they did make unemployment available for self-employed individuals. It's, it's a long process and I guess still haven't, it still hasn't come through yet or anything, but at least it's, at least it's there. So even if it's retroactive, you know, a month later, it's still something to help with costs incurred of running a business without actually doing business. So yeah, those were some of the kind of the big things working now and then just trying to stay focused. And like I said, shift over and, and be, um, uh, what's the word adaptable. Yeah. Understood. Been the biggest thing. Something that you said, which is interesting to me and also gives uh, a testament to the type of person and type of uh, work that you do is that some of your clients have donated just to keep you in business. Now, yeah. for anybody who hasn't experienced Chef Rashida's cooking, I haven't, you know, I, I'm, I'm in Pittsburgh, so I'm not getting meal prepped and catered. 
Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> facts. So uh, it just goes to show people just want you. They want they want you to stay in business. I, I would imagine somebody like uh, we can't have Rashida come over and, and make our fire meals anymore. But you know, once this thing is over, we definitely want it. She got to stay in business. Here's a couple dollars. And uh, as a segue, uh, go on the website. Go. Uh, what's your website uh, domain? It is chefrashida.com. Super simple to remember. <laughs> chefrashida.com. And you can yep. read the testaments. I read some of the testaments and reviews that you've, that you've gotten. And uh, they're all good. They're all good. So, uh, yeah. Now, is there anything? No, no. This is my last thing. Okay. <laughs> this is it. This is my last thing before it's kind of <laughs> open-ended. Um, and this is something else that you touched on that I said I appreciated uh, you dropping some knowledge and game. Uh, something, some advice you would give to people uh, in your field, uh, up and coming, whether they want to work in a restaurant or be self-employed like yourself. Any tips, advice? Um, some big things I would say is find find your thing. Um, it can be really overwhelming, especially in the food industry. There is so much there's i mean there's so many cuisines there are so many tiers of service you know um one thing that overwhelmed me is i'm like oh you know i, I really want to i see all these fine dining posts but I, i'm not fine dining i can do it yeah i learned it you know but but that's not my comfort zone that's not where i creatively express best so finding not just not just what clientele in your area want but also where you create best because that's how you're going to keep and get clients when you're doing, when you're at your best creatively. So kind of just finding your niche. If it's, if it's modern French cuisine, okay. If it's you know, Mexican Asian fusion, whatever it is, find that spot and kind of, and stay there, stay there and just, and grow from there. That would be a big thing. Um, to getting into um, just personal chefing. If, if you want to go out on your own, um, being confident, that's a huge thing. Be confident in the fact that you know what you're doing because someone coming to you is looking for you to give them what you offer. So confidently express that I do this. Let me help you with this. I know this, et cetera. And it's not, you know, I always tell people, I have no problem telling you, yes, I'm a chef, but no, I do not know how to make every food that's ever been made ever. <laughs> and if you ask me to make you a dish that I've never made before, I'm going to research it. I'm going to do a couple of trials, figure out how I make it best, make, take my own take on it. And that's what I'll serve you. So I don't feel the need to know all of it. I'm, I'm going to research. I'm constantly, I just actually just ordered um, two books today to do some more just digging into the food industry. So never stop learning either. Never stop learning. Um, it can be easy to just, you know, get caught up in the, maybe the 10, 15 things you make and not go outside of that. But stretch your comfort zone a little bit, even just for you and your family, you know, just yeah. to keep your skills sharp um, and have fun. That's the biggest thing. Have fun with it. Because if, like I said, when I was deeply in the industry, the lack of balance took all the fun right out of it. And I was just, I was cooking for tickets, not for people. And a lot of the reasons I got into cooking just completely fell away. Um, so just have fun with it. And you, you won't need to be so cutthroat competitive if you're having fun because people will be drawn people aren't just drawn to your food they're drawn to your personality so <laughs> you know being genuine and having fun people can sense that and they'll come the people will come beautiful is there anything that i miss anything any certain shout outs anything you know what you, you make desserts right i do so that's actually a funny story <laughs> okay yeah i want to throw that in there yeah, so I, in general, do not bake because baking takes both precision and patience. And <laughs> I, I am very, I'm, I'm not precise, so to speak, when I cook. I just, I think just on my story yesterday, I was talking about how it's really hard for me to tell people exactly how much of each spice I use because it's, it's so feeling based when I'm cooking that <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this feels good. You can't do that with a cake or bread. It just doesn't work. You have to measure. You have to follow the recipe. You have to follow because it, it's chemistry. So you have to, to stick to the, to the chemistry. Um, to but her, hey, you're talking, you're talking to her soul right now. When you say I that. Know. 
Because <laughs> it's so, and I try, like my sister has, she's so much patience. She, she made bread while we've been in quarantine. Um, she does, she made biscuits. Now I will say I make biscuits and cornbread. That I do bake. I, I make biscuits, cornbread. You don't actually have to be precise, so that doesn't count. But <laughs> and then I do like fruit-based desserts. So I make a mean apple crumble, blueberry crisp, that type stuff. It's because it's also that's more cooking than baking. It bakes in the oven, but it's more cooking because you know it's like a dash of a bourbon, a little cornstarch, some sugar, lime juice, toss it all together, and then the crumble. It turns out different every single time I make it. So yeah, I do some desserts, but in general, I'm not, I'm not a baking and pastry chef. That is for sure. Okay. You hear that y'all? <laughs> culinary <laughs> only. You're, yeah. Culinary <laughs> only. Go get you some cookies from Walmart. Or <laughs> yep. And I, I work with some, I work with some amazing chefs. One, um, one of my friends, she is an amazing, um, baking and pastry chef, Leah Fowler. Like she's, um, on Instagram, I think it's the dessert first, the dessert first bakery. And she just makes some beautiful things. So I had one event and I reached out to her. I'm like, Hey, they need a specialized dessert. You know, can I, can I put you on the invoice? And so that's generally what I'll do. I'll outsource nice. um, to some friends I have that do that. And cause I'm like, that's not my expertise. I'm not going to pretend it is. So <laughs> let me pull in someone who does this. Yeah. You're not selfish with the work. Everybody, nope. eats. Pun <laughs> everybody, <eats>. everybody. Eats. <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. Uh, thank you. Once again, is there anything that I missed? Any shout outs? Any? Um, I did want to specifically shout out Deanna. Um, she's a sister that helped me with uh, my website. She actually did all the photos for all the headlines for my website. Um, helped me get dig deeper into my branding. She, she pulled me aside some tough love. She was like, I love you, sis, but why have you not posted on your business Instagram for almost two years? That's the problem. Mm. So she's like, I know you've been cooking, but we need to see it. You know, we, we need to see it. We need to see you. So she put together a branding questionnaire for me, um, like took over uh, my, I gave her all the passwords and information for my like website builder. She found something that worked with, with what I said I wanted for my business. Um, and so she's been like such an amazing friend and help. Um, in this whole rebranding process. Um, so her name's Deanna Spriggs and her Instagram is at DAM Photography. So she's a photographer in the DMV area. She does weddings and engagements and products and she's moving into more commercial um, type things too. So she's absolutely amazing. So I want to shout her out um, and my family, of course, because they've been just fantastic. But yeah. Gotcha. Thom family. It is Thom, right? Thom. It's actually either, either or. Thom or Tom. Half oh, really? of my family says it one way, half says the other. Yeah, because okay. it's a French-English name, so it gotcha. can technically be pronounced both ways. Thom yep. family, and was it Deanna or Deanna? Deanna, D-I-A-N-A, Deanna. Shout out mm -hmm. to Deanna. Shout out to the Thom family. Shout mm -hmm. out to Chef Rashida. Shout out to Kayla Creates. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else should I shout out? Shout out to Rituals. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, for the hat uh good customer service but that's the same about rituals he'll have we'll, we'll interview with him a little later so uh, <laughs> um thank you once again chef rashida it was this is our first time meeting and talking so uh you never know how this is gonna go it's like okay they may not like the vibe that i bring my sense of humor you know i'm a little corny right i'm a little nutty i'm like what if they get on here and act all weird but this was this was nice this is the first one so um hopefully it, kick so, off yeah yeah this is the kickoff thank you for helping kicking things off so uh no worries uh this is the cool hand podcast cool hand podcast something you gotta deal with